welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I am Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who wants to live with a cinnamon girl in a van down by the river. Here's my co-host from the left coast. Here's Wayne Fugate. Hi, hola, Ben. I mean, so for this episode, we have a special guest. He was a referral from our guest a few weeks ago, Brian Dunn. His most recent full-length record was called Cold Snap, followed by the EP, Won't You Be My Neighbor, a Benefit for a Refugee Aid. And he's got some recent singles called Passing Through and the Oyster and the Pearl. Please welcome to the podcast, Anthony D'Amato. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So uh, premise of our podcast, fairly simple. We talk about music, but as we do at the beginning of each of our podcasts, I ask the all-important question, what t-shirt are you wearing? Let's start with Wayne. I uh, recently went to the Ording Rock Festival and uh, saw my cousin's band Limberlost and a bunch of other local acts. Good Lim- time. Limberlost. Okay. Limberlost. Yeah, that's my cousin's, cousin's band. Fantastic. How about you, Anthony? What t-shirt are you wearing? I have um, an Ear Trumpet Labs t-shirt on. They, they, uh, they're a microphone company um, based in uh, in Portland, Oregon, and I use their mics when I'm just for for vocals. I use it for some recording stuff too. But I, I stopped by the the workshop out there when I was on tour to get some repairs done and film a little thing with them, and they gave me a t-shirt because they know that musicians are lazy and don't want to do laundry, and then they'll get free advertising like this out of it. That's there right. we go. There we go. They just got some free advertising out of it right right here. So, all right. Well, yeah. um, I am wearing. You can't even see that I'm wearing it, and I'm still ripping it. That's it. That's it. Well, take a picture of it, post it on our Twitter. Yeah, all good. <laughs> so uh, I'm wearing a new T-shirt. So last night I had the uh, the great privilege of seeing Stephen Kellogg and Tyrone Wells at the Social in Orlando. Oh, nice. And so I am sporting a new Stephen Kellogg T-shirt. Got to got I'm to. Sure with Stephen, he's a good friend. Yeah, got to hang out with uh, with the, the guys after the show, and um, yeah. So Wayne, uh, we're gonna have Tyrone on the podcast somewhere down the road. So it was kind of funny. I'm 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 at dinner with them, and and Stephen just goes over to Tyrone. He's like, "So uh, you need to be on Ben's podcast." So we uh, we chatted about a few uh, potential artists. Let me just put it this way. If he chooses who I think he's going to choose, I'm going to really dig it because I've been on a Stevie Wonder kick over the last several months. So I'll just leave it at that. Going to be all right with that, that Wayne, if we, uh, if, we, if we go with the Stevie Wonder record? Oh, absolutely. All right. So uh, let's, let's chat with Anthony. So uh, you're on the New West Records label, is that correct? Well, I just finished with them, actually. I put out a, a pair of records for them, and uh, and now I'm doing a, a, a new full length that I'm going to, you know, we're, we're shopping that around right now. But, uh, but yeah, I did two records for them. They were awesome to work with. I loved everybody there. Yeah. Some good uh, good artists on that label. I know John Hyatt and, and Ben Folds have, have done some stuff with, with them. I think Driving and Crying... No, actually, about driving a crown. I got to do some shows with Ben Folds, which was really fun. And then I just, um, he came through town, I don't know, like two weeks ago, because he has a book that just came out, and he was touring with Violent Femmes. So I got to go see him and see him do a little talk about the book, and he's great. Very cool. Very cool. 
unfortunately, they didn't come down here to Florida, so I'm really pissed off at both Ben Folds and Violent Femmes because of that. Uh. So. <laughs> So anyways, we'll uh, we'll chat about your music in a moment. I want to first chat with you about your videos cuz we're in a world now that music videos <laughs> they don't seem to be made all that much and you've got some great videos including the really great thought-provoking oh, thought one in if you're going to build a wall where you're uh, completing a final oh, exam yeah. from the Trump University. Love it. <laughs> I wrote that song. It, got, it was probably during the the primaries, and I, uh, you know, I, obviously, I think a lot of people felt a lot of strong emotions at that time. And and my thinking was like, I've just got to get this out now while this moment is happening because because this moment is going to pass, and and you know, we're going to get collective amnesia about Trump and how he even had some support in the primaries or whatever. And uh, so I recorded like a demo of that and and made a little performance video that the uh, the NPR folks posted and I was like great I got this out and then you know uh, sure enough uh, the election comes around and, and he got elected so ended up recording the the song for the album and doing a proper uh, video for it um, and it, every time I, I kind of had to do something with that song I kept thinking well you know this is going to be the end of it but it kind of sadly keeps sticking around <laughs> yeah yeah and and we've stayed pretty non-political i guess if that's the phrase mm -hmm. uh, on this podcast but you can't watch that video without being provoked in thought and that's that's the idea i suppose yeah. i don't i don't think there's anything um too radical in there uh it's it's all it's all fairly uh fact-based the only thing that that uh didn't make the cut. I don't know if you noticed in the video, there's a little section that's blurred out. I was just going to ask um, you about that. Because, okay, yeah, well, that's like the number one question people have with that video. <laughs> I'm, I made the whole video and was just going to put it out myself. And then at the last minute, the folks at um, moveon.org wanted to uh, premiere it through all their social media, which was, mm. you know, great. More eyes on the video and, and ears on the song. But uh, but there was one thing they, they had... Uh, an issue with which was uh one of the it's, it's it's kind of a jokey video it's serious but it's also pretty tongue-in-cheek right there was a, a a reference to chris christie in there that they found to be uh across whatever line <laughs> that they had <laughs> set up for good taste and it was too late to like reshoot anything uh so i had to just go and censor it like it was you know nudity or middle finger or something <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, and so this is this is kind of a hot topic for you, uh, I'm assuming, because the "Won't You Be My Neighbor" that uh, benefit EP that you did has a lot of the the same kind of themes and and topics in it. Correct? Yeah, I mean, uh, "Won't You Be My My Neighbor" was a 
even more so than that one, uh, you know, trying to not be uh, political in any way. I mean, uh, if you're going to build a wall, is, is a pretty explicitly political song. Uh, but Won't You Be My Neighbor, the idea of it was to focus less on, you know, left or right or anything like that and more just about, uh, you know, human decency and, and morals and, and that kind of thing. And so that was that was where that EP really came from was thinking about that, you know, the Mr. Rogers theme song of, of you know, Won't You Be My Neighbor, in the context of where we are today, you know, sounds kind of radical and political, which <laughs> I, I don't think it should be, but but it is. So I wanted to kind of revisit that song and some other tracks. So there's a mix of, of stuff that I wrote on there and a mix of, of cover songs. Um, and, and each song has a different special guest. Um, and yeah, the idea was to just kind of uh, think a little bit about, you know, who we want to be and, and what we want to stand for. And then, um, you know, all the money that came in from that got donated to the, the IRC and um, it's still raising money on Spotify. So go stream it. That's it. That's it. You've got a really good cover of Tom Petty's Won't Back Down on that as well. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that, that came about I, uh, before I even had the idea for this project. I was touring in Europe. Um, and when I was in the Netherlands, I got invited. There's a series over there called uh, The Influences. It's a, a video series where they film touring artists who are coming through uh, either like Amsterdam or Utrecht and, and have them film uh, performances of a cover song that, that influenced them. And so I thought about that song. This was right around the, the time of the inauguration and, and there was a lot of political stuff going around and I didn't want to do a, a protest so much song so much as you know I didn't want to do a standing against something song I wanted to do a standing for something song after I, I recorded that for them I, I thought it'd be fun to to find a bunch more of those stand for something songs and, and make an EP out of it. college football fan at all I'm, you know i'm not really i'm a baseball guy that's where okay. most of my energy gets spent yelling at the mets <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that's that's my nl team dating back to uh the 80s when keith hernandez was there so i i get it i, I really do uh the reason why i was well, keith is a, one of the announcers now so yeah and he's not very good at it <laughs> he gets angry i love keith he, he does. Angry at the he players, does get so angry. Yes, that. yes, yes. The, the reason why I was asking you about the college football thing is, is so my wife is a, is a Florida Gators fan. And at the Florida Gators football mm -hmm. games, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but right before the fourth quarter, because Tom Petty is the native son of Gainesville, Florida, they sing Won't Back Down. Like the entire crowd oh, of cool. 75,000 people are singing along to Won't Back Down. It is a magical moment. Um, very cool moment. So uh, anyways, come, come on down. I'll, uh, 
I'll sponsor you for for a, a, a Gators game, and we can sing together that 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 wonderful song. Yeah, I'd like to see that. That sounds pretty cool, actually. Yeah, it's very cool. Better than a Mets game. Yeah. Well, <laughs> for this year, anyways. Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> you, you know, and and Wayne and I are both um, both Seattle Mariner fans because we grew up in Tacoma. So um, thank you for taking oh, Robin, cool. Robinson Cano off of our hands. Yeah, you're you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go back to the videos real quick, because uh, uh, so yeah, there's a little bit of campiness in your you know wall video, but definitely some fun moments in Golden Gloves and Was a Time. I've already posted those to the Facebook page. Um, those are just straight up fun videos. Why why are you doing videos when I feel like there are so many artists out there that that just aren't doing videos these days? Because they're fun. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the, that's, you know, my, my, I guess if, if, if I'm coming up with a, a more, um, you know, pragmatic answer, it's that I want people to have a reason to, to want to share uh, the music beyond the music, you know, the, the, the song is great. You got to listen to it is, um, you know, I, I can say that about so much. And uh, and if I'm going to be sharing music with my friends, uh, I probably have to narrow down to you know something that's going to catch their uh, catch their attention, even if they'd never heard of the artist or something. So yeah. you know, I, I feel like I have the best luck sharing music that I love with friends when there's uh, an interesting visual that that goes along with it too that'll hook them and and make them watch to the end. And that's what I guess I, I'm aiming for when I'm making a, a video. And I guess we're all getting sick of the tiny desk concerts and the uh, the paste magazine in studio concerts. You know, I'm not. I'm never going to get sick of seeing a great band do a, a live performance. But but in terms of saturation, certainly there's. Uh, you know, everybody has access to you know decent microphones and and you know your iPhone can make good quality video now. So the uh, you know the live performance footage or, or session just there's there's a lot of it out there. So there I, I guess my idea when I'm approaching a music video is is what can I do that's a little bit different and and a little bit more engaging. Yeah, it's cool. So what genre do people lump you into? Because I, I think they you you probably are getting lumped in this whole quote unquote Americana genre, but I don't know if that's completely accurate considering you know the some of the the, the tempo of your of your of your music yeah you know i think it it depends if i'm out on tour solo and it's me and a guitar and a harmonica uh you know i think people are, are quick to, to point at it and say folk americana you know you must be a bob dylan fan and then you know if i go out with the band and it's you know electric guitar and and drums and you know loud fast songs then then people think it's more rock and roll yeah. Um, but, it, you know, the truth is it's it's all of that and probably some other stuff in there, too. Yeah, because I, f- I kind of feel like you're kind of all over the musical map. And I and I love that when artists tinker around with, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of variety. And do, do you think that that helps or hurts artists when their catalog is so so diverse? And we'll talk. We'll talk about that here in a moment with you know with with Neil Young. I think we'll 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 chat about his diversity right. as well. 
I personally like it because there's, you know, there's, there's something for, for every occasion there. And, you know, I, I just, um, I spent earlier this year, I spent a month, um, down in New Orleans. I was just supposed to be kind of, uh, house sitting down there, but I ended up meeting all these great musicians and we recorded this whole EP that's going to come out hopefully later this year, uh, in this old house down there. And it's, you know, all stuff that I, I wrote in that month experience, but it's, it's, you know, very New Orleans inspired. It's like, uh, you know, clarinet and, and fiddle and washboard and stuff. It sounds completely different than anything else. And that's really fun to me. That's like the snapshot of, oh, I got to go live in New Orleans for a month and, and try, you know, try on New Orleans for size. And, you know, I'm sure next year I'll end up spending time someplace else and, and write stuff inspired by that experience. And, you know, I'm, I'm interested in, in making music that kind of just reflects where I'm at at whatever particular time I'm making it. And I'm less focused on, uh, you know, this is my brand and I have to right. adhere, you know, explicitly to the brand. Right. Right. You're going to go all Dr. John on us. Is that what you're doing? You know, I didn't, I didn't uh, quite go that far, okay. but uh, I'd love to. But. Yeah. But you're, yeah. You're going to have to change a little bit of the sound of your voice uh, a little more gravelly than, than, than what you got. So. Yeah. I've been, I've been working on that. <laughs> smoking a lot. Been smoking a lot, uh, a lot of uh, whiskey. Um, you know, I've been eating dirt, which has been helping. There you go. Gravel, yeah. Tiny uh, rocks. Yeah. Sounds like we've got a premise for your next video right here. <laughs> Me just trying to transform my voice into Dr. John unsuccessfully. That, that's it. Uh, so so the one other thing that, that I wanted to, to, to chat with you about is, so I kind of feel like radio these days that a lot of artists who like, say seven uh you know 20 years ago for instance would have had like an adult contemporary and adult hits type of category where they could have fit into and you know 20 years ago i could see songs like back 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 or golden gloves getting significant airplay on those kind of stations the stations don't really exist anymore though right so so how are you how are you getting you know, traction out there where where people are are knowing who Anthony D'Amato is. been the internet primarily has, has been the driver of that um you know i, I think the the biggest thing when i get to shows and, and i meet people afterwards and and you know find out how they discover the music uh often it seems to be um through the tiny desk concert 
yeah. edited for NPR. Um, it seems to be through uh, Spotify playlists and uh, and like Sirius XM. That was a that was a big driver on the first record. So, you know, there's even even though those uh, terrestrial radio stations that you know uh, might have had more latitude when it comes to uh, format and and playlist um, don't really exist necessarily yeah. anymore. I think there's still a lot of ways, if if not more ways, to to reach people. Um, you know, the flip side is is there's infinitely more music reaching them every day as well. So it's kind of uh, getting above the, the dull roar of, of the avalanche of music that gets released every single day. Right, right. Yeah, before the uh, the show last night, so um, the, the, the playlist, I think, was curated by Stephen Kellogg ahead of time. And so I, mm -hmm. did, I did hear If It Don't Work Out, before before the Stephen Kellogg show oh, nice. last night, so so uh, and he and uh, after the show, uh, we heard a little Brian Dunn during the loadout as well. So oh nice. So so well, it sounds like Brian and I are going to have to take Stephen to court for <laughs> unauthorized. <laughs> He's just trying to help you. You know, there's probably a few people with their Shazam apps ready to to find out and go what what is that song. No, I appreciate that he does that. That's really cool of him. Yeah, very nice. All right. So speaking of adult contemporary, so one last question before we jump into uh, the record that yeah. it shows. So Toto's Africa, good or bad song? Uh, I, You know, it's not for me. Is that is that answer the question? <laughs> I think the sound you made when you were asked the question... <laughs> Is uh, is 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 a that's a no, because I agree. Yeah, that's, that's that's not that's not my cup of tea. But that you know, if people there's people out there that love it, God bless them. All right, Wayne. Well, congratulations. You just got another one, another vote on your side. That's right. Yeah. That's this, right. This the, the continues your comeback. comeback. Yeah. Yeah. Two two. Is this a long-standing feud? Uh, yeah. yeah. He asks every guest. It's been going on for a while. A lot of people without as much uh, character as you have said that they liked it. Uh, <laughs> They're just trying to fit in. That That's yeah. it. That's it. Pandering. Yeah. All right. So, Anthony, tell us what record you chose to revisit for this episode. I chose Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere by Neil Young. All right. And Crazy Horse. Yeah. So what were some of the other records that you that you thought about before you landed on this one? You know, I thought about going down the Springsteen Road first because that's I'm from New Jersey and, and Lord knows I've spent most of my time listening to that. But I feel like I already spent enough time talking and thinking about Springsteen records, so it would be nice to uh to push myself a little bit out of the uh the New Jersey comfort zone. And uh and this record jumped out to me I I've been a, a you know kind of maybe more casual Neil Young fan for a while, but, but years ago I got asked to be part of a a show with like a bunch of artists where they do the album front to back and everybody sings a different song. And, and this was the record. And I honestly hadn't heard this record uh, when I got asked to do this. And, uh, and man, I just really fell in love with it and have been coming back to it for probably 10 years now. So I what, figured it'd be a good one to talk about. Yeah. What song did you end up having to play? 
they gave me Cinnamon Girl, and I had um, it was me and and Nina from the Cardigans doing uh, harmonies oh, on it. Very cool. Nice. Yeah. Is there is there some video floating out there of that? I think so. Somewhere on on the YouTube, there's okay. got to be. Uh, this this would have been when I was still in college, probably. Um, okay. So it's 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 pretty old, but uh, but the internet preserves all. Sounds like I'm going through a wormhole tonight, Wayne. I'm going to go try and find yeah. that video. Yeah. <laughs> I don't beat you to it. Right. Exactly. So uh, so let's go back to what you said with Springsteen. So what Springsteen album would you potentially have chosen? Ooh. Um, you know, I'm I'm down at the shore right now. Uh, Greetings from Asbury Park, I feel like, is is one that, that folks don't normally uh, gravitate towards for these right. kinds of things. Uh, they they want to talk about Nebraska or Darkness or, or Born to Run, and, and rightfully so. Those are phenomenal records. Uh, Greetings seems like it could be a, a good option for this format because there are some clearly fantastic songs and then some less fantastic songs. And, you know, doing the ranking thing might might have been an easier move on that doing the ranking thing on on everybody knows this is nowhere is really tough because one of the things i like about this album is that i think it's seven great songs uh so that was a little tricky yeah you know going back to the spring scene thing so we had caroline spence on a couple months ago she, oh yeah she chose tunnel of love that was her go-to spring going with scene. the non going with the non-e street route that's it that's it that was the and that was a that was a good deep dive, and we did we did an early episode of Neil Young. So we the the second episode ever that we did where it was just me and Wayne, no guest. Uh, we did uh, mm-hmm. Har- Harvest, and I think oh, okay, I, I think maybe I convinced you, Wayne, a little about the greatness of Neil Young on that record. Did I not? You yeah, I mean, I, you didn't hurt my stance uh you i brought i gave me a better appreciation this one um gave me even more of an appreciation i mean i didn't find it i didn't think there was seven great songs but i did think there were the songs were i mean great and i love that there was i know stuff i didn't i hadn't heard like we had talked about when one of our guests picked a greatest hits record um i think everybody knows uh this is nowhere is a song i had never heard and uh I, that was a great discovery for me. Yeah. yeah this cool. That's a good album. All right, let's get some bio info and we'll 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 do the the track by track. So everybody knows this is nowhere second studio album by Neil Young. Um, this was his first though with his longtime backing band Crazy Horse. Was released in May of 1969. Peaked at number 34 on the U.S. Billboard 200. This does make an appearance on the 500 Greatest Albums of All Time chart that Rolling Stone put out in 2003. Wayne, I already gave you my my uh, my notes for the for this episode, so you you already know that it's uh, number 208 on the all time 500. Any guesses of which Neil Young album was the highest ranking on the Rolling Stone chart? Any guesses? I would think Harvest. Harvest that'd be, was, that'd be my guess. Harvest was number 82 on the list, not the top one. Wow. So any other guesses? Uh, hmm. 
I'm I'm stumped on that. I would have thought Rolling Stone would would uh, <clears throat> would pick Harvest for sure. After the Gold Rush was number uh, seventy four on the on the top five hundred, and uh, Uncle Neil does make a couple other appearances on that five hundred. Tonight's the night was number three hundred three. Russ never sleeps. Three fifty one. So let's go track by track. As a reminder, our scoring is based on the number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on this record? Seven. Which means top song is going to get seven points. Next favorite song, six points on down to the lowest score of one. And Anthony, if I didn't know any better, I would say that both you and Brian are trying to game our system a little bit here because he chose a Jackson Brown record with just eight songs. And your pick has just seven songs. So I'm I'm starting to think that you want to have shorter episodes and less time that you have to talk with us. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. Of those seven songs, uh, what one of them is more than 10 minutes. <laughs> Another is more than nine minutes. There's, there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> there we go. There we go. All yeah. right. All right. Let's jump in. First song, Cinnamon Girl. You see us together. Chasing the moonlight by Cinnamon Girl as a single reached number 55 on the billboard hot 100 in 1970 and this song definitely displays the contributions of young's earlier guitarist danny witten um and if you don't know the tragic story of danny witten i think we talked about him briefly on our harvest episode correct yeah needle and the damage done yeah that's def that is definitely about him uh, vocals are kind of a duet with Neil and, and Danny, and uh, Danny is singing that high harmony part, and Neil, of course, has the, the, the low harmony part. Uh, Witten would be fired just a couple of years later because of his drug addiction, and um, yeah, he would end up uh, dying in 1973, so... All right, a little bio info. So tell me about the greatness of Cinnamon Girl. Who wants to get started? I'll go with uh, the great. Yeah, I I never really looked at Neil Young as a guitar player. That's one of the things that I in this album uh, changed for me as far as what I thought about. I mean, I always think of him as a great songwriter um, with a an odd voice that I can't figure out how he made himself famous with. But he's a he's a that's a this song is heavy in general but particularly guitar wise this is a very heavy song um and i don't think i i really ever gave it a lot of credit uh for what it is i think i actually kind of even made some snide remark when we were doing the harvest uh episode this is about i mean it's a great song and it's not super complex or or you know like some of his songs can be it's it's almost kind of like a gave me a kind of a california girls kind of a, a feel 
you know, cinnamon. It's got that nice brown color like the girls in California. And but just heavy guitar. I didn't. I never would have expected that. And then there's just a tremendous amount of that that heavy guitar. Um, and he has some great solos on this record. Jumping off of that that point on the heaviness. I mean, one of the things I learned as a as a guitarist and a songwriter from from having to to learn to, to play the song for that show was uh, that he uses these drop tunings a lot, uh, which make the guitar sound heavier and, and way more just oomph on the bottom end, but he doesn't just use them, you know, those tunings on, on these heavy rock songs. He also will use them on the acoustic guitar stuff too. And I uh, started using some of those tunings afterwards to write my own, you know, folkier stuff even. I don't think I've done anything quite as as heavy as uh, as as Neil does on this record, but um, but those tunings kind of opened up new worlds for me as a songwriter. Did I get this right? That this is like a a double drop D. Double too? drop D. Yep. Yeah, he's he's going down both the high and the low E strings. They're going down a whole step. Yeah, and he I think he uses that same tuning because it this sounded very similar to uh, Cortez the Killer. Is that kind of the same that would make sense yeah yeah he he uses that uh uh on, on a bunch of stuff i think he uses open d on some songs too where so he'll he'll do the double drop d and then he'll bring the um the g down to an f sharp and the a um or sorry and the b down to an a um and uh and you can do you can just do so much i don't know it feels like the the fretboard completely opens up when you start to mess around with some of those tunings in, in ways that I hadn't anticipated. So Wayne, I got to go back to your comment about, I didn't know that he was that good of a guitarist. Have you never listened to Weld? No, I haven't. And even when I've heard him play, I've heard this song before. I mean, this is a this song's been around since 16, my whole life. And I've heard the song before. I didn't, I just didn't ever realize it was him. Yeah. Um, but coming from like Buffalo Springfield. I mean, that's, he was the guitar player in that band. He, he wasn't necessarily the singer. Um, it's just something I didn't know. I'm not a, I'm not a, a, a Neelophile like you. Yeah. All right. Well, I thought, I thought I would have played it for you while we were driving around years ago. No, uh, you weren't, you weren't as cool back then. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that's true. You still think that I was listening to Belinda Carlisle during that time period. So whatever. Well, I, I know what I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cause I mean, if you listen to weld, for instance, the, the live version of effing up mansion <clears throat> up the hill rocking in the free world. I mean, the, a lot of the grunge guys from those early nineties, you know, Pearl jam, for instance, spent a lot of time, rocking with with neil young which they they play rocking in the free world that's one of their that's one of their encore they don't play it every every show but that's one of their encore songs and it's a rocker it's a it's definitely guitar heavy so i'm just kind of surprised that that you were like well that he's you know the lyricist guy first or the rhythm guitar guy first so interesting comment had to call you, you out on it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Feel free. <laughs> so a anybody got a, a favorite cover of this song? Because, like, it's been covered by everybody and their dog, it feels like. Uh, I think uh, Nina Person and uh, Anthony D'Amato, that's my favorite cover version. <laughs> that's, uh, that's one of the all-time classics. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah. Only yeah. ever happened once. Lightning in a bottle. That's that's it. That's it. Yeah. Uh, recently, Toad the Wet Sprocket and Big Head Todd and the Monsters did a cover of this as well. So there you go. Lots of covers. You can go check that out. If you're looking for that wormhole that we were talking about on, on YouTube, you could go through a, a mighty wormhole just looking at Cinnamon Girl covers because, like I said, everybody's done it. Radiohead, Smashing Pumpkins, The Who, um, Fish. I mean, you you name it. There's probably a version out there that will satisfy everyone. All right. Shall we get some scores? Do we need to talk about Cinnamon Girl at all, anymore? Oh, I will give you my score as a seven. I also say the one thing I noticed is, because uh, this actually book kind of, completes a bookend with cow, Cowgirl in the Sand, I think. But uh, Danny Witten has a great, has a very complimentary voice to Neil Young. And I, I don't I don't know why, but I, I when hearing him sing one of the songs on here with somebody else who I didn't think the same of, he, like I say, Danny Witten had a real, it's just not, a, I'm sure he doesn't, they neither one, I think have these classically, you know, beautiful voices, but together they sound, it sounds right. Yeah. I think I had, you know, for for a long time assumed that was Neil Young singing like a double track, just like harmony with himself. Um, before I, I learned that that was Danny uh, doing the high harmony there. Um, so I, I would agree that they, you know, they certainly seem very in sync Agreed. for a band that was known for being rough around the edges. <laughs> right. Right. We'll we'll chat more about Crazy Horse coming up uh, on on one of these other songs. All right, Anthony, how about your score? I gave that uh, the six slot. All right, and I'm giving this my my top score as well. So um, I think we we just probably uh, gave a little <laughs> teaser of what our favorite song is on this record, but we're gonna still talk about the other six. Here we go. Here's the next song. This is Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere. Every time I think about back home, it's cool and breezy. I wish that I could be there right now, just passing time. Everybody seems to wonder what it's like down And Anthony, you want to get us started on this on this song? Yeah, well, I, I, you know, I remember just feeling pretty blown away by this song because it it had everything that I wanted a song to have. You know, the first time I heard this, I was like, okay, this is this is a rock song, but it's like got a a cool groove to it, and it's kind of country also, and the lyrics are really smart, and um, I don't know. I, I think prior to that, I always kind of felt like, um, you know, you could do a couple of those things, but not all of those things in a song. You know, I didn't feel like I'd heard somebody that that did everything that I wanted a song to do, and this was this was it. For for me, the 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 
falsetto, whatever's going on in the background, dropped it a notch or two for mm -hmm. me. Um, the the la 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 yeah. la la. Yeah. I, I actually wrote should have had someone else do the la la las. Yeah. <laughs> I I think that if if they would have maybe not gone the falsetto route, I would like this song a little bit better. But it's it's definitely mm -hmm. it's definitely a good track. Wayne, what do you got? What do you, what else you got on uh, everybody knows? Uh, this yeah, well, this was the this was my this you know pleasant discovery, and I agree with what Anthony said. It's it's a it is a rock song, but it's like he was definitely um, I don't know if he gets as enough credit for that kind of alt country like where you're bringing because this has very kind of country elements in it, uh, much more so than like the Eagles and Jackson Brown started doing later in the '70s. Um, but this is, and I, this has a great, uh, solo on the outro just before the outro. That's really cool. You want to use this is a song I would have loved. I would have loved to hear. And I don't know if they did. I, I don't think if they ever did, but I would have loved to hear like the band do this song. I feel like this oh. is, is so ideally yeah. suited. Yeah, that would be. Yeah, I could hear that. Yeah. To, uh, to, to quote the phrase that you used during our Ian Jones episode, so flirting with country. Oh, no, he's making out with it at this point. He's not. He's not flirting <laughs> at all. Yeah. All right. Let's get some scores on this song. So, uh, Anthony, what you got? I gave it my, uh, my perfect seven. Okay. And then Wayne? I gave it a six. Uh, it, I, like I say, the newness of it was, uh, was great this great discovery and it's just a real good song. Yeah. And I'm giving this my four um, just cause there's a couple songs that I like ahead of this, but not, not indicative that I don't like it. Cause I do. I just wish that uh, there would have been different harmonies in the background, but all good. All right. Moving on. Speaking of flirting with country, here we go. This is round and round. It won't be long. There's something about the pace of it that I don't like. And this is the one where I don't, Robin Lane, who I listen to some of her other stuff, I don't, she's got a good voice, but somehow it doesn't, I don't know if it's that it's so different from his voice that even headphones, it almost sounded like it was, like the track was off a little bit, but I think it's just, they're so different. It did, It just didn't, it didn't mesh together for me. And I read the lyrics and I was like, this is a really, this is a really beautifully, you know, written song, but I couldn't, I couldn't really concentrate on the lyrics because of how different their voices sound. And it just didn't sound unlike Danny Witten. It just did not sound complimentary to his voice. So I do have a little snippet here to, to share on this. So in the book shaky, Robin talked about the recording of this song and she said, I thought we were just rehearsing. 
I didn't even know what I was singing. And so Neil was the original punk rocker in that, you know, he just hit record and they started recording. So if it sounds a little disjointed, probably is just because, you know, Robin thought they were rehearsing the song. They didn't know that this was going to be the final take. So thought that was well, wasn't the story on on everybody knows this is nowhere also that those vocals were like neil's scratch vocals that he did through the talkback mic in the control room i don't know if it was this song but there there is a there is a song no, or two coming on, up on yeah well i think on everybody knows this is nowhere his oh, vocals yeah, yeah, yeah. were scratch vocals through it yeah so i mean he was clearly doing that with the whole record he was just you know prioritizing performances that that weren't recorded with the uh, intent of being released that way right you know that's that's a gamble and sometimes it pays off with this you know amazing unselfconscious brilliant performance and other times you get something that just sounds like they didn't know they were being recorded and weren't ready <laughs> right right i also i also read on this that that young had actually written this to be used for Buffalo Springfield. And I would love to hear a version of this song where it was Neil and Steven Stills doing the harmonizing. And if such recording exists, sure. somebody needs to share it with us because I bet that that is just amazing. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that being spectacular. Yeah. Um, one other thing that I read on this, Wayne, uh, that, that might be of interest to you. So Joni Mitchell, um, somebody had written that, uh, Joni Mitchell felt as though Sugar Mountain was the inspiration for Circle Game, but that, uh, that may have also been the inspiration or this song may also have been an inspiration for her as well. So, and we're going to talk about Joni here in a couple, couple episodes from now. Yeah. So, all right. Let's get some scores. Uh, two. And then Anthony? I gave it a three. And I'm matching your three on that. I, I like the song, though. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's calming. I think it's a good transition from Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere to this next song, which is Down By The River. It's impossible to make it. be confused with you know the the, the matt foley conversation of <laughs> living in a van down by the river so all right and anthony i'm gonna let you get started because you've also got a song that is talking about dying by the river doesn't sound anything like this song or the lyrics are not about killing anybody by the river or or does it yeah no that that song on the banks of the river where i died of, of mine that's um 
you know, that was out on the, the Refugee EP, and that was a, a song about, a, you know, a, an, an attempted uh, river crossing by an immigrant. I'd, I'd read about this place uh, in the Rio Grande. It was like a drainage pipe where um, bodies would frequently turn up because of how the, the currents worked. And I kind of wrote that song from the perspective of one of those bodies. This is a, this is a very different uh, <laughs> angle Neil Young takes here because uh, he goes down by the river to uh, shoot his baby. Um, but no, this song is just, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously a classic. Um, and the, talking about his guitar playing on this is, is something fierce too. I, I feel like that's a common thing in, in the studio. Y- you'll hear somebody, you know, if somebody's working on a guitar part for something and, and you'll ask them to, you know, do it like a, a Neil Young kind of solo, which means like just uh, come out here and, and play one note over and over, but like make it mean something. Yeah, that that's what I found amazing is the majority of the solos in this are all that one specific note, but the way he uses you know rhythm to to change to make it sound so different, it was uh, it was incredible. Is this a Hey Joe song with the lyrics? Oh of- yeah shooting my baby dead this is this is very like there's a couple of lines in here that i highlighted because they're just crazy but i love i love it's got that kind of that smith thing where it's a the underlying story is not as pleasant as it sounds but they just right out from the beginning there is no reason for you to hide uh yeah there is because i just got this feeling of this guy you know with his gun pointing it at her like come on let's go down by the river there's no reason no reason to be hiding behind the uh the kitchen table let's just it's gonna everything it's gonna be okay let's talk about where you've been spending all your time uh it was it's pretty brutal let's go back to the guitar solo part of it so this is a song that sometimes turns into 20 minute jams like i even i even uh read somewhere that uh recently at the desert trip that uh, neil young attended that was a 20 minute version of this song. Yeah. And I don't, but that's my criticism for this song is that I can see them doing, can making this a 10 minute, 15 minute song live, but I don't, I can't find justification for doing it on the record. I mean, nine minutes and there's these big guitar, which like I say, the guitar solos, they're more interesting, I guess, if you would have, if it wouldn't have happened so many times, I don't think you have to do it after every verse. Yeah. Well, he took a, I mean, lyrically, it's a super short song. In fact, I think the first verse is, and the last verse are the same. And he somehow drags it out into nine minutes. And like I say, live, I could see that. I could see him, you know, vamping it up for the crowd. But on the record, I just feel like it was excessive. Yeah, I'm good with it. I, I will say for those solo sections, I, I think one of the things that helps it work for me is is that they are, they do kind of drag out in, in such a way that every time that chorus comes back around, it's, it's just such a good chorus that every time that comes around, I'm like, oh yeah, this is like, I'm, I'm always excited for it again. Yeah. Now I've, I've seen two sides of the, the whole lyric argument that the narrator isn't actually killing her with a gun, rather he's shooting her up with heroin or, or some other drug. So what... What what interpretation are we going to take on this? Are we going to take the literal interpretation of? Yeah, I well, I spent a, too much time on the literal interpretation. I didn't even I didn't even think about that. Yeah, 
Anthony. And- well, I saw there was also there was also some interview, and, and I don't, you know, he, I feel like he changes what he says all the time. Yeah. But where he talked about it not being about either of those things, that it was about like you know, um, like ruining your relationship, like taking a good thing and 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 messing it up. Um, and I, I kind of like that. I know, I know that's probably the least violent or damaging <laughs> interpretation, but I do kind of like that idea. I think everybody, you know, knows that feeling of like taking a good thing and, and taking it down by the river and shooting it for no good reason. Yeah. Could, could a song like this be written today? Oh, well, it could be, but you would be in a lot of trouble. Yeah. I think even the last song on here, um, there's some lines in there that would make it uh, controversial nowadays. Right. Yeah. Let's get some scores. Uh, I'm giving this my six. Wayne? I, I gave it a four, <clears throat> mostly for the length. I was going to say, that's the guitar solo killed your, your score, didn't it? Uh, not just one of them. <laughs> there was three of them. Or, and they, they Because lyrically, it, it is a great song. And, and just like Anthony said, that chorus is great. And when it comes around, it brings me, you know, back to like, this is a much better song than this four. And then in between there, he drags it out another two and a half minutes to get to the next one. And then by then I'm like, okay, I'm settled on a four. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Anthony, how about you? I uh, I went with a five. Okay. All right. Let's flip the record over. This is the losing end in parentheses when you're on. miss you more than ever since you're gone I can hardly maintain things are different around here every night my tears fall down like rain so hard for me now but i'll make it somehow though i know i'll never be the same okay let, let me just throw this out this is this is me with the semantics three of the seven songs have in parentheses to them <laughs> seriously come on just drop it and just say it's a really long title there you go um all right who wants to get started with losing in well we were talking before uh, um you know about bouncing around between genre and and style and stuff and and while i i didn't uh give the song a, a super high ranking it's it's not because i don't love it or uh or appreciate the fact that he you know, went where he went with this song. I, I think it's, uh, you know, I, I love hearing his voice in a variety of contexts, you know, whether it's rock or country or folk or whatever. Um, and, uh, and this is kind of just classic country. Yeah. There's no, there's no flirting with country on this one. This is, this <laughs> no. is, this is pretty well, pretty much straight up country, right? Oh yeah. I mean, even the, even the content, this is a straight up, she done me wrong song. I mean, and and like I say, he's only missing like a banjo and a steel guitar, maybe. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I tried I tried to do some interpretation of the lyrics. I felt like they were really super generic. I didn't I know that one of the things that I read about was during this time he was married to his first wife. They didn't last very long. So uh, there was some interpretation that this song was about her, but it it's I felt like it was a little too generic for me to get anything out of. So the lyrics were just kind of eh, for me. Yeah, I, they were, especially compared to something like Round and Round. But it almost felt right. like a uh, like a, a sequel to Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere because it had a very you know it had even more of the country elements than that. But where he was talking about a girl back home that he'd like to go spend some time with, and then he finds out that this girl's nothing has been doing him wrong. It it almost kind of had a sequel feel to uh, Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere. All right. It's an interesting, yeah. All right. Anything else on the losing end? Uh, There was a weird yowl from some, like an old prospectory type guy that I thought was random and unnecessary towards the end. (laughs) I don't even know what he said. It just just reminded me of, that's what it reminded me of. There you go. I love it. All right, Wayne, your score? Uh, Three. And Anthony? I actually went with two. Yeah, I'm I'm going with the two on this as well. All right, next song, Running Dry. And again, here we go with the parentheses, Requiem for the Rockets. I'm sorry for the things I've done. I've shamed myself with lies. My cruelty has punctured me. I'm sorry for the things I've done. I've shamed myself with lies. But soon these things are overcome and can. And you guys know who the Rockets are, right? Uh, Crazy Horse before they became Crazy Horse. Yeah. So that's essentially Crazy Horse without, let me find my my, uh, notes. Oh, uh, without George Witzel. One of the quotes that I read from him was, uh, my understanding was Neil was going to use the guys for a record in a quick tour, bring him back. And this is bring him back up to Canada where Neil had left Canada to come to L.A. And he said, bring him back and help us produce the next Rockets album. Took me a year and a half to realize that my band had been taken because Neil didn't come back. That's a pretty classic Neil Young story. Yeah, and and I think that that reflects in the lyrics of, of that because he he even and maybe this is just lyrics and he doesn't really mean it, but he says, "I'm sorry for the things I've done. I've shamed myself with lies. My cruelty has punctured me, and now I'm running dry." And um, anyways, so that's one of the the apolo- I guess it's an apology to uh, to George. <laughs> it feels like an apology to a, a lot of people, probably, and yeah. also for a lot of things still to come. Because he doesn't show, uh, you know, as much as the song is an apology, I also don't, it, it, it doesn't feel like he's learned anything, if that makes sense. He feels bad about it, but he's going to keep on doing it. Right. 
I, I kind of feel like he's like, well, this is, this is my art form. And, you know, I follow wherever the muse takes me kind of, is that kind of the attitude? I read that. That's, you know, from what I read in, in, I think I, I think I read both shaky and, and waging heavy peace, which were, where shaky was a biography and, and waging heavy peace was the autobiography. And it was interesting to, to, read about some of the same events from, you know, two different perspectives. You know, you'd have the outside perspective of here's what went down and and then Neil's version of it would be like, you know, I didn't feel good about it, but I kind of, you know, I had to do it for the song or for the record or for my career or whatever. There's uh there's certainly some truth to that, I I'm sure, but I I do think uh you know, following your muse and being a decent person aren't necessarily exclusive choices you have to make. <laughs> yeah, I I I I read Waging Heavy Peace as well and this wasn't the only story where he kind of said, yeah, um I kind of switched genres or I kind of switched up what I was doing and um you know, like, like for instance, in early '90s when he decided, uh, I'm going to put out Harvest Moon. Uh, this was just after, you know, Crazy Horse had had done some stuff together, and now he's like, yeah, I'm going to go flirt with the country stuff and do the acoustic thing, and I'm going to go do an unplugged record. And, you know, oh, was I supposed to tell Crazy Horse that we weren't going to continue to do some work? So, yeah, I kind of, I kind of got that that vibe that this was probably the first time that he, that this happened, but definitely not, not the last. Yeah. Although I remember stories too, from, from like the Buffalo Springfield days where like, uh, they were supposed to be on TV one time. And he, I don't know if you, if, you, if, if this was in heavy peace or in shaky, but he was, they were supposed to be on, on TV. It was a big opportunity for them. And he decided that going on TV with your music was a, a sellout move and he didn't want to do it. So he just didn't show up and they're all like the rest of the guys are at the studio ready to go and never do. Where's Neil? Where's Neil? They finally get him on the phone and he's like, they're in Chicago or something. And he's back home in Los Angeles. He just never flew out for it or something. We talking about Neil Young or are we talking about like Paul Westerberg and Tommy Stinson? Cause that's a replacement <laughs> well, move right there. You're right. Yeah. But so, yeah, you know, I, I don't even necessarily think this is the, uh, you know, I think by the time he he stole the rockets, that was pretty pretty par for the course. Yeah, yeah. All right. Anything else we want to talk about? Yeah, that violin uh, that ruined this whole song. Like, I it is it gets so high pitched at one point. I thought my phone screen was going to crack. You went uh, you went a whole hour without dropping an f bomb. I I, was, I, I even I, thought to myself, man, was, I'm super proud of you, Wayne, that you haven't, oh, you well, haven't said was, any bad words. Well, there you go. Just when you least expect it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was. It was. It. It even kind of gives you a little hint in the beginning, and then right after that, it's got. It's. It works just like a violin's supposed to. It's creating this kind of dark. Uh, moody atmosphere and then then it just starts getting and I, I and then it takes up most of the last two minutes of the song just grating on my inner ear and I thought who's who I mean the guy is probably I'm assuming is a very accomplished violinist and that somebody said no 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 
go higher. Oh, no, no, go higher. And I was like, that's exactly what I'm looking for. And I'm like, how, how, how could that happen? You know, what I thought of listening to this too was, um, uh, you know, before I mentioned wanting to hear the band do, everybody knows this is nowhere. Listening to, to Running Dry, I wanted to hear uh, Lyra Lynn do it, like in the in the way she was doing those like songs she did for True Detective. Okay. Like that uh-huh. really dreamy noir thing. Like I feel like if you gave her just a guitar and a vocal mic and put her in front of this song, I, I think um, it would be a, a revelation. We want to see Mazzy Star do this. Okay. Yeah, that would be cool too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, let's get some scores. So I'm giving this my one. Wayne? Uh, same. Anthony? Same for me, yeah. Yeah, everybody. Also one. We're we're in agreement. All right, let's wrap this sucker up. This is Cowgirl in the Sand. to get us started because i just realized that um i never narrowed down my my uh notes on this so there you go wayne get us started oh this one has got my most uh like another diet i mean that's my most over analyzing of it um i read the whole thing i heard other people's takes on it and it has this and at first i kind of had it in a like almost critically of neil young because especially the line about um, it's the woman in you that makes you want to play this game, which kind of comes off as there's something innate about women that makes them want to, uh, you know, not so much gold dig because this kind of has a rock, like those girls that hung around California and, you know, dated rock stars. I mean, there's like the beginning verse is kind of got this, uh, how you doing feel to it. And, uh, and then he specifically mentions that they're old enough to change their name. So they're obviously 18. Let's make sure everything's legit here. And then, uh, <laughs> but it, it had this whole, I could just, I could say, and then the next verse where a lot of people will think he's talking about his old band because he, he had an album called, you know, Rust Never Sleeps. But it almost, the rest of that verse is, because I actually, the first part, Ruby and the Dust, I thought, well, dust and sand, it's still much, a lot of part of California. It's just, dust is clearly not as glamorous as sand you think of beaches and this you think of dirt but then he's also talking about how uh what's the, the line um is it the after wind? all this after all the sin we've had i was hoping that we'd turn bad like i'm i'm pretty much i'm done with you uh with you know how we had a great time and now it's i'm gonna move on to something else and then the last line the last verse has something about you know the woman of my dreams, so I'm thinking his wife, because she just caught him. Because the uh, the line is this <laughs> this is not what it seems, which that's the that's a classic. This is not what it looks like. 
uh, I'm not having sex with this young, hot California girl uh, right now. And so, but after thinking about it and putting all that in, I thought, well, he also didn't take somebody down by the river and shoot him. So this is probably more likely uh, a commentary on what was going on in LA at that time. And then it it had a little bit more, like I may have given it a higher score once I, once I kind of came to that realization. Because I think this is definitely a story or, 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 or a commentary on being in LA and hanging out at places like the Whiskey and the Troubadour and the girls that are obviously there looking to date rock stars. Right. The line of when so many love you, is it the same? Yeah, because that one, a lot of people, I mean, and it can be taken as, you know, promiscuous from a literal sense, or it could just be the fact that there's so many guys that want you, you know, you're, yeah. you're that, that you probably like that, you know. But that was another comment that kind of is derogatory towards women. That's why if you look at that line in and of itself, you know, it's the woman into you that makes you want to play this game. I don't know that you would you would put put it like that in a song today unless you didn't want to get it hurt. So, Anthony, what do you got so that we can get uh, Wayne off of his long diatribe? Here? <laughs> well, well, not, not to not to discount any of of um, all of that. Uh, thoughtful interpretation because I think that all totally makes sense. I also just feel like it's maybe worth pointing out that I, I think my understanding is, is that this song Down by the River and Cinnamon Girl were all yeah. written on the same day. Yes. Uh, and, and the story he tells, I don't know you know how true any of it is, but it was the same day and he had a, a super high fever and he's really sick. And uh, So I sometimes when I'm you know parsing these songs too i also have to stop and remind myself of like if he wrote all three of these in one day while he was just deliriously sick like i don't know how much careful metaphor crafting he was doing either too he could have just been picking out words that rhymed mm -hmm. uh as placeholders and just you know stuck with them right so some of it is is i think you know in the sense of some of those like dylan stream of consciousness songs to where you could absolutely parse it apart after the fact and, and pull, uh, you know, really deep things from it. And that doesn't necessarily mean that those, just because when it was written, you know, that's not what the author was thinking of, doesn't necessarily mean that the song, you know, doesn't mean those things or, or doesn't have those valuable uh, uh, messages to, to share. But I do, when I'm thinking about all this, I do wonder how much of this he was thinking about when he wrote it. Was he trying to make a commentary or was he just you know completely out of his gourd sick and this is my third song of the day and i just need something that rhymes with dreams right <laughs> yeah and like i say i i read that too and uh i was referring to it as the fever trilogy and uh but i yeah. can't recall in my life having 103 temperature i can remember people saying you have 101 uh, mm -hmm. but I, I imagine if I had 103 temperature, I probably wouldn't remember it. I mean, that's, that's high. <laughs> so, it's up there. Yeah. Also he, uh, he pulls this thing out to 10 minutes, which just like the other one, I think he could have, he could have, he could have whittled it down. Not, I'm not saying radio edit whittled it down, but he could have, it, <laughs> it, it would have been a really good solid song at seven minutes. I don't know if, if 10 and, Ten and a half or so was was necessary. 
I'm enjoying this. I'm just sitting back and listening to you two uh, talk about <laughs> Cowgirl in the Sand. This is great. I'm I'm gonna have to not do notes more often and just let let yeah. you and you and the guests just ramble on, uh, Wayne. It's it's great, I man. You. I liked it. I, I'm the color guy. I got one job. <laughs> All right, let's get some scores, Anthony. I uh, I went with a four on that. Okay, and Wayne, a five. And I'm matching your five on that. All right. So that's that's it. Seven songs. We uh we covered. We're pretty around. close on all those scores. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a lot of consensus on that. I think so. Did we did we cover everything? Did we uh did we miss anything on our analysis? Oh, I. I don't think so. Never. Yeah, we got it all. We 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 we. Covered. It was fun to go go through and listen to that record more closely again. I hadn't done that in a while. Yeah, yeah and I had never, I had never heard anything but the the songs that made compilations, uh, and so I was, mm-hmm. I, I really liked uh, finding those other songs and hearing them. Yeah. All right. Any guesses what our top song is? This shouldn't be that. This shouldn't be tough. Go ahead. Tell <laughs> tell me, Wayne. Uh, Cinnamon Girl. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's an average score of six point six six. Easily our top song. Uh, any guesses what our number two song is? Everybody knows this is nowhere. That is five point six six, barely edged down by the river, which got five average score. And then uh, what about our fourth and fifth? Cowgirl. Cowgirl's fourth. Round and round. Round and round and rounds out our top five. There we go. Wow. That's a solid five, right? Oh, absolutely. I would listen to those five songs all day long. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. I'm trying to find my notes here. Sorry about that. Yeah, we're, we're, we're struggling at the I, end. I know. I, you know, I started out, started out strong. Started out strong. All right. So uh, you just need to improvise a one note spoken word solo. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Keep saying the same word over and over again. <laughs> there you go. Just like uh, down, down, down by the river. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, all right. So, Anthony, remind our listeners where they can find all the happenings of, of you and and uh, upcoming music, etc. Yeah, I mean, the my website, anthonydomatomusic.com, is, is always a reliable place for that sort of info but you can go on spotify and itunes and apple music and your actual physical local record store if it still exists and and find what i do and and um yeah i'm gonna have some new music coming out later this year those new orleans songs i think will be coming out before the year's up and then i've got a, a full record in the can that'll be out next year so um whole bunch of whole bunch of stuff on the horizon and then you're coming to florida on your tour right Man, I would love to. I've only been to Florida once. I played at, um, gosh, what was it? The Attic? Yeah, in Tampa. In Tampa? Yeah. That's that was where, a great room. That's where Steven and Tyrone are tonight. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. I was touring with um, uh, Red Wanting Blue. Okay. And we played down there. It was great. They come down here frequently. At least about once a year. Well, you should uh, get, them, get them on the podcast. They're on tour right now, but we, we we might we might see them down the road. So that that you kind of preempted my last question for you. So I uh, I usually ask my guests 
So who do you know that I don't know who'd want to join us on the podcast to revisit one of their favorite records? And you can't say Brian Dunn because he referred you. Yeah. Well, I think think Scott from Red Warning Blue would be great. I'll, I'll drop him a line. Okay. Let's do it. I would enjoy that. Yeah. All right. He's got he's got a great podcast voice too. He does. He does. I have heard him on a couple podcasts that uh, that he's done. Cool. All right. Um, so as a reminder, you can find all of our happenings on our Facebook page for the Records Revisited podcast. Uh, we're on Instagram using the Records Revisited podcast hashtag. And as I told you, Wayne last week signed up for the old Twitter. And now I'm trying to remember what my what, what our handle is. Oh, it's Podcast Records because the guys across the pond stole our uh, stole our identity. So we'll uh, we'll we'll forgive them. They're they're nice guys. All right. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. Go to a live show. Buy a T-shirt of the band. Buy a record. Visit a record store. And not just on Record Store Day. We are Records Revisited, and we are out. Out. Out.